Welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. Welcome to Kitty Talks. Today I have with me professional card magician, author, lecturer, entertainer, speaker and singing, Paul Gordon. Hi Paul. Hi Kitty. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, thank you. I'm very excited to share your story with my audience. Oh, you're very kind, thank you. Yeah, well obviously you and I have known each other for a while and so I've got to hear your exploits travelling all over the world, performing, entertaining people. Um, so tell us a bit more about what it is that you do. Well, um, I'm a professional close-up um, magician specialising in card magic. Um, that's what I've done for a living for many, many years. And I'm also an author. I write books on magic for other magicians. And I also do lectures for those magicians. And I teach them and uh, I do workshops and so on. And I'm also a big band singer, which is something I used to do before the magic and I do as a sideline here and there as and when I can. Fantastic. Pretty busy really. Yeah absolutely and so whenever I think of magic I always think of the magic circle so are you a member of the magic circle? I am indeed yes I've been a member for I think 25 years or something like that long time. I've also been a member of the Sussex Magic Circle which is uh, the local group in uh, based in Lewis and I've been a member there uh, for 41 years. Wow. And is it like the magic circle to me always conjures up like Mason type uh, scenario where you can't share the secrets, you know? That, does, yeah, it does a little bit, but it's not really like that. It's, uh, uh, it has a feeling like that, but it's it's much more friendlier than it used to be. In the old days, it used to be guy, kind of guys with bowler hats and briefcases. And these days, it's much more relaxed. Fantastic. Was you meet on a regular basis, do you? Or? Yeah, it's every, mon- every Monday through the year. I mean, I, I don't go that often because. Uh, it's, it's up in London at Euston, and it's just a bit too far to keep going up there, um, especially on a cold, miserable, windy, wet day. Yes, I can imagine. But I've also read in your bio that you have performed for quite a few celebrities as well. I have, yes. Um, some of them a long time ago, but uh, um, Matt Monroe, the singer, he's been dead 30 years, uh, Matt Monroe, and uh, Cliff Richards, um, oh goodness me, uh, Michael Palin, Greg Dyke. Uh, oh, I don't know, so many people. Wow, fantastic! And so, to actually make a career out of uh, magic, 
for me is really fascinating. You know, um, the whole point of Kitty Talks is to inspire people to make a difference on the planet by following their passion and purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's it appears to be difficult, but you know, I don't I personally don't believe that. And so I love interviewing people such as yourself who have taken your passion and turned it into your life. Um well, I mean, uh, I mean, I I had a proper job for years working in the theatre business in entertainment, anyway, and uh, I was I did that from when I was fifteen years old, and when I was I think early thirties, so twenty odd years ago, um, I was made redundant, and I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, I sat, I sat down, and I did this uh, this. It's quite a in those days, it wasn't well known, but I think these days it is. I sat down with a sheet of paper and I, I wrote down the talents I had, the skills I wanted to have, the things I never, ever wanted to do again. And um, I wrote down this big list of uh, bits and pieces and in it all came out magic. And I thought, well, I'll, you know, entertaining people, I'm used to that because I've always been kind of theatrical anyway. And uh, the family was fairly theatrical and we always went to the cinema and theatres and lots of jokes in the family. So I thought I've got that aspect to me anyway. I've got the skills for magic. So I thought, why not become professional? And I'd already been writing books by then anyway, because the writing of the books came earlier. And so it all seemed to be guiding towards this avenue of uh, using magic. So performing, teaching, writing, doing the workshops, making videos, and productions and so on that's what it started naturally leading in that direction so at that point you had you done any magic like had you done magic as a kid or yeah i mean i, I started uh, the first magic i well, the first time i got interested in magic was in the mid 60s which is way before your time kitty um sorry about that obviously <laughs> um, but yeah in the mid 60s when i was a young boy um, excuse me taking my glasses on not i can see you but i can't see the I'm in between distance. And <laughs> um, yeah, in the, in the, in the mid-60s, uh, there used to be David Nixon on TV, and I used to watch him, and then my parents bought me a magic set, and then from the magic set, I took it further, and then I joined the local club, as I say, in 1976. So it really has been part of my life since, well, for 50 years, you know. Wow. So as a kid, you you did magic as a hobby? Yeah, yeah. Right through from, you know, just at school, just tinkering around with magic, really. It didn't really start becoming very serious until I was uh, about 13 or 14. That's when I took it a little to the next stage. And then uh, I got more deep, more, more involved in it. And then, you know, when I was, I, I started doing shows for people uh, in a serious way, not, not in a, not in a kind of, entertaining the family and friends way but I started doing serious shows when I was about 16 and um, I would entertain people in the theatre uh, from behind the bar and the customers that were coming in with the kind of magic I do it's close-up car magic so you know I've, I've done it for a long time. And how did magic make you feel what was it that attracted you to it? Well my my great uncle Reg uh, bless his cotton socks I mean he's been dead I don't know 45 years or more he, when I was a small boy, he said, I'm going to show you something that you'll never forget. And with that, he took a coin, he blew on it, and it vanished. And I still remember that feeling, that wonderful feeling of awe and amazement and surprise and excitement. And that has stayed with me 
for 50 years. So I've always had that feeling. And when I try and perform, or when I perform rather, I try and make other people feel that wonderful, magical feel in themselves. Escapism. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So um, so as a child, you learned magic. Then as you're 16, it kind of got where you started, you know, unprofessionally doing shows for other people. And then yeah. you, did you carry it on when you kind of went to work on the side? Yeah, I mean, I just did it uh, uh, as and when I could while I was at work. And my first boss, who was a wonderful boss, uh, he encouraged me to do it. So he said, come on, there's some people over there, show them something, show these people something, go over there. And and I did some magic. Uh, in, in the environment I worked, uh, this is in the early 80s, there was a bar. And I used to, uh, eventually when I was 20, 21, I, I started working behind the bar. And I started doing magic behind the bar whilst I was serving people. And that set me up really well for entertainment later on because you're dealing with all kinds of customers from drunks. Yeah. To, Skeptics. Uh, yeah, I mean, you name it, every kind of customer you can think of, you meet working in the bar. Great experience. Yeah, I can imagine. So no one asked you to do that. You just took it upon yourself to sort of entertain yeah. people when they weren't there. Yeah, I just thought I'd get on with it and do it. And uh, my first boss was very encouraging. Sadly, when I then moved to another theatre years later, the second boss was not remotely encouraging. In fact, I actually wrote to him once and I said, you were such a dreadful boss, <laughs> so um, so dismissive and so difficult. You actually, you actually inspired me inadvertently to become a successful professional entertainer. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, because his attitude was like he wanted you to fail, but you decided actually, no, I'm going to make this work. He had no, he, he was so, he, he couldn't encourage anybody for anything. It, it was just awful. And, but inadvertently, some people would just crumble by that. But I thought, well, you know, you're doing me a favour here. You're giving me the uh, motivation to get on with my life and do something much more. Well, that's a great empowering way to look at it, Paul. Not, I don't know if everybody would have uh, you know, used that as motivation. They could have actually let it get to them. So I think. Well, they, yeah. Well, I mean, it did get to me a bit, but, uh, you know. Eventually, I thought, I'm, I'm not a class half-full person, so I thought, let's use this as a, a way of getting out of this um, but and moving on. So mid-twenties, well, you were still working in theatres. Um, yeah. And were you a member of the Magic Circle at this time? Uh, mid-twenties, no, I wasn't. I think I joined when I was about 30 or something. Um, I'll tell you a really interesting uh, and a funny story. Can I tell you two, two funny stories? Please do. The first one is, uh, they're both related. The first one is about fees and about earning money. Now, uh, my brother, my father's best friend was Felix Bonus, And Felix was uh, an actor and a comedian. And as an actor, a lot of people recognise him from Heidi High uh, TV series. And also, are you in Dad's Army? And uh, and roles in Dad's Army and uh, are you being stoked? But he, he plays a jockey in... Uh, Heidi High, who's also a warm-up man, a comedian. And a funny story happened when he was staying with my parents in the mid-70s, so over 40 years ago, the phone went, it was his agent, saying, uh, Felix, uh, they'd like you to open Sainsbury's or Tesco's um, in Crawley. Would you go up there and open it? He said, well, no, I won't, because I'm on holiday with some friends. And he said, well, they're talking about £200. Now, £200, 40 odd years ago, 
for cutting a ribbon and saying a few jokes was pretty good money. Yeah. So he said to my dad, do you mind if I just drive up there and do this gig for an hour? And uh, of course, there was no problem. So Felix then had to phone the manager of Sainsbury's or Tesco's or whatever it was to arrange it. And he phoned up and uh, the manager said, you know, Mr. Bonus, um, thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, and it's, 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 it's 300 pound. Okay. So Felix, in a surprising way, went, how much? And the guy on the other phone thought he was insulting him. So he said, wait there a moment. I'll speak to my CEO. The phone went quiet. And um, a few minutes later, he came back and said, um, well, the best we can go to is a thousand pound. Wow. Now that's like 10,000 pound now, I suppose, or more. And it was that story that started me thinking about, you know, money's relative. You know, it's some people will say uh, 500 pounds a lot. Some people will say 500 pounds is uh, um, beer money. So I then used that thought later on, you know, becoming an entertainer. And then um, somewhere in the um, late 80s, I guess, I was on a business meeting when I was still I had a proper job. I was in a business, business meeting up in Birmingham. And I was I was so fed up with the meeting. It was a dull get together, and I wasn't enjoying it. And I went downstairs to the bar area, and uh, there was a bunch of American guys um, in one corner. And I started practicing some magic. And they called me over and said, "You know, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm you know I'm here for a meeting, but I'm also a magician." He said, well, "Come and show us something." So I eventually I did, and I enjoyed it so much, and I entertained them for an hour or two. And at the end, they said. Come on, fellas, you know, let's give the guys some money as a thank you. And uh, after protesting a bit, they stuffed a big roll of money in my hand, which I put in my pocket. Cut a long story short, the next day, um, I took out the roll of money and counted it. And it was around about 500 quid. Nice. And I, it was that moment I thought 30 years ago, there's a living in this. Wow, fantastic. That, that's yeah. really how that started. Well, that's fantastic because, you know, a lot of people, you hit the nail on the head there, a lot of people who are doing something they're passionate about might not have the mindset that they can turn it into a living. Yeah. So it can be, and it's also our confidence, isn't it, about what we feel we can charge. That's yes. the, the other thing that gets in people's way. I know. And it is so many people start saying, oh, I can't charge this. And, you know, what if they say no and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was actually going out with, uh, I, I've been married um, twice but before I was going out with a girl and she said, how much do you charge? And I told her, she said, that's not enough, double it. I said, I can't do that. So she said, next time somebody phones for a gig inquiry, double your fee. And that's I didn't. And it, went, it worked. Yeah. yeah double my income. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And I think, yeah. you know, if you actually put it out there in, in the universe about what you charge, then those people are attracted to you that, that can pay it. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, some people actually think you 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 are not very good if you charge too little they won't book yeah. you because you're not charging enough totally yeah. Yeah. so at 30 you were made redundant from your um theater job yeah and you sat down and wrote a pros and cons list did you is that right that's right yeah yeah and then from there you decided mad because i like without being rude like it is what well, i would imagine it was more difficult i think it's less accepted in those days to do something like magic as a career. I think 
you know, it wasn't necessarily as easy then potentially as it maybe is now. I mean, it, well, I, um, I don't know. I mean, there's always been magicians entertaining at weddings and parties and corporate dues like I do. Uh, I think since the internet, there's more people who think they can do it. But I think the internet has bred an awful lot of people who think they can do anything because uh, everything seems, it seems a lot easier now with uh, modern media and tuition on the internet and tuition, YouTube, and everything seems to be too, in too much of a rush. But I don't think you can beat the old fashioned learning your craft um, slowly by honing it in through years of performance and so on. So. I think in those days it was actually a little bit easier. Okay. Okay. And what would you say to someone out there now who maybe does ma- magic as a hobby? You know, if one of your fans that's listening, so and their their mind is telling them, Oh, I'd love to do that as a career, but actually I've no idea where to start. What advice would you give them? Well, one thing I would say to them, I, well, I do say to them because I teach them, um, is the world is full of all of us can make excuses as to why we don't think, don't do things. And I've heard every excuse under the sun. And this is not meant to be harsh. It's just the truth. This is what people do. They start finding excuses as to why they can't become professional. For instance, older people will say, well, I can't because I've got a family at home and I can't give my job up. Or I'll wait till I'm, I'll wait till I'm 21. And then when they get to 21, they say, I'll do it when I'm 25. Or I'll wait till I'm 30. It's like people who give up smoking. If you want to give up smoking, you give it up. Some people say, I'll wait until next year and uh, uh, I'll get my birthday over and done with or I'll wait until we come back from holiday. But in my opinion, the best way to do anything is to do it today. Whilst the mindset is there, you know, uh, it's like this morning, you know, my account, my statements arrived, my accounts, it's the kind of thing you put off. But I thought, no, just get on with it. Do it now. It's done. And I think it's the same with any endeavour. If you want to write a book, you need to start writing now and stop pro- procrastination. Yes. Which is true. There's a, an old friend of mine, he, say, he says, procrastination is the thief of time. Totally. You know? Yeah. Totally. People put off and they put off and they put off. And before you know it, you're too old and you've retired. Well, so, this is it. Yeah. If you want to... Follow your dreams. Do it now. If you want to go to America and, I don't know, if you want to see the world, um, get on a plane and do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think we we touched on this before we started the interview, but it's amazing how many people, you know, they don't necessarily think about what it is that they want in life. And like yeah. you said, you, you, you've got to design your life first about how you want it to look. And then every day take action towards creating that life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. When I was at school, I used to just sort of um, bum around, messing about and telling jokes and uh, dodging bullies and uh, all that, you know. I I mean, I don't advocate this at all, but, you know, I think it's wonderful people get good education. But uh, for some reason, when I was young, and my parents took me to a boarding school. So from the age of seven until 11, I was at the boarding school for five years. I was away from home, and that's very tough when you're seven years of age. And then that and put me into a comprehensive school, and so the change from 
boarding school to comprehensive school was like a sledgehammer to the uh, um, mind. And uh, so I came out of school with nothing. But I thought, you know, now I've come out of school. Let's start, get off your get off your backside, Paul, and start making something of it. Yes, I think it's difficult though because I think you know we we know now that you have to, if you want something in life, you've got to go and get it. You can't just expect it to to fall in your lap. Yeah. Uh, but I think what I'm interested in is get, getting people to follow those that voice in their head. You know, the yeah. voice that says, "Oh, I wish I could be doing that. Oh, I love this, but I've no idea how to make it work." Um, yeah, so, I think it is terse advice. It is terse advice, but you know, I've got a, uh, I've got a, two. I've got three stepchildren, two boys and one girl, and uh, one of them, uh, he wants to go around Australia. So I said, "Well, book a flight and do it." Yeah, I mean, give up your job and do it. You know, uh, or if you want to be a little bit more practical about it, keep your job for six months and save everything you earn. Put that money in savings for when you come back. Go out to Australia and earn money, whatever it is you do, picking strawberries and other stuff, and um, go and do it. It's not easy, but, you know, what well, is it? You've got to draw a line in the sand and make a decision. So by the sounds of things, at 30, you made your list. Yeah. You decided you were going to make a career out of magic. Yeah, yeah. And what and happened I, next? Like, how did it progress from an idea to actually a reality? Well, actually, I mean, I, it coincided with me getting divorced from my first wife. And that was tough because um, I was trying to cope with moving house, getting divorced, um, being made redundant from my job, which was a mixture of being made redundant and me leaving. A bit complicated, but... Uh, and then starting up a career as a professional entertainer. And... Um, and I got very ill. I had a nervous breakdown at that time because of all the mix-ups. And my mum had just died as well um, a couple of years before. So I was still getting over that. And then my dad got ill because my mum had died. Mm. Uh, it was a pretty rough time. But I thought, well, you know, sink or swim. I better, you know, if I don't um, try and make this whole thing work, I'm going to go downhill pretty quickly. So every day you started to do something towards. Oh yeah, I mean, what a, I mean, I uh, when I was actually very ill and I literally I couldn't sleep and I was having sweats and panics and all sorts of things. I used to go onto my very old Windows computer. I mean, you know, this is the early days of computer, and I used to write down plans, which I would then put into fruition. And um, I can remember like when Google started. Because Google, I was there. I remember it, it just appeared and I got a free listing for life, um, which now I think probably cost you thousands and thousands of pounds. That free listing for life, by the way, seemed to, I think they took it off a few years ago. But anyway, um, so I, I was constantly advertising and marketing and trying to find out where I work, how I could get work, what could I do. And also I used to bluff a lot as well because... Um, I remember. Fake it till you make it. That's it, isn't it? It, It's so true. I got a phone call from this guy saying, um, you want a magician for a trade show, really good money. Um, Do you do much trade show work? I said, oh, all the time is my bread and butter. And I'd never done one. And I thought, well, you know, I'll uh, look into it. I'll I'll just go and do it. (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, I think you've got to, haven't you? Like, turn it down. I mean, you know, 
as you say, what, what was your saying? Fake it, Fake it till you make it, yeah. yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah, well, they say you've got to get, like you were saying about the money, you know, getting the energy of it. You know, you, you, you can command the energy that you want to put out there and then it comes back to you. So yeah, fake, yeah, so. fake that till you make it, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, uh, it's it's not a it's not a world to be timid in, is it? Really, I mean, you know, you can't. Um, I think if you hide your light under a bushel too much, you will always be in the background. And uh, but you know, my professional uh, performance and my professional facade when I'm entertaining is so different from the way I am at home. Yes, and I'm happy with that because I'm actually quite quiet and private and. Uh, semi-reclusive I'm not reclusive but uh you know I as you know yeah um, I hang around town going to coffee shops people watching talking to old friends and that's that's what that's the way I like it yeah so you've created a life that works works for you I think I've created two lives really but it sounds like it because you've got your professional life haven't you yeah. jet set around the world performing and then you've got your home life yes and my, my wife now says it's about 10 Paul Gordons up here anyway <laughs> so when you look back at that time in your life where you know you said you're very open and you said that you had a bit of a breakdown and everything at the time didn't seem to be going the way you wanted it to be um what was it you you know learned from that experience I actually learned a lot I um on a personal level I learned to be a lot kinder a lot nicer um I was quite bombastic when I was younger and a bit impatient and a bit um uh i made assumptions about various things and i wasn't a bad person but i and i was also drinking too much in those days as well so it was all a little bit too you know i was getting a bit aggressive with various things and i learned coming through the illness i learned how to relax and calm down and and put into perspective what is important in life and also made a decision then that I was going to work hard, but the work wasn't going to control me. I'm going to control the work. So I don't, thankfully, I mean, this is not a boast, but, you know, I financially have done very well over the years and I've saved a lot of money so that I don't have to schlep around the world if I don't want to. Um, I now choose to, if I, if I work, it's normally because I want to, not because I have to. And that's the advice I give people. Try and you know, I uh, this is this is it's just tough advice, but I, I I did it myself. When I got divorced from my first wife, I bought a very small one-bedroom cottage, and I led a small lifestyle so that I didn't need to earn much money to pay the bills. Yeah, and I worked out. I thought if I can, if I only earn, if I only if I only do one gig a month which in those days was like £300. If I only did one gig a month, I can just about afford to live. And I thought, if I can't get one gig a month, I might as well retire anyway. So, and I was, in the early days, I was doing one gig a month for about a year. And then eventually I was doing two or three. And by the time I got to five or 10 gigs a month, I was earning you know, about four or five times the amount I was earning when I had a, a, a proper job, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's 
Yeah, very sensible advice because I think when I coach people, I um, explain to them that they have to have be able to cover their bases really because you can't manifest and create and pull in more money if you're worried about paying the bills. You know, you can't design a life of freedom and of passion and purpose if you can't pay the bills, basically. So by keeping your overhead small, that enabled you mentally to free yourself up. Yeah. Could without having any stress or pressure, you could pull in what you wanted to pull in. I mean, I think on a on a sort of a global example of this and, and, and a good analogy is that, you know, these people, they win a million pounds on the lottery. Yes. And the first thing they go and do is they go and buy themselves a £750,000 house, forgetting that a £750,000 house probably cost you about 30 grand a year to keep it going. Yes. Um, and it's as simple as that, you know, as, uh, you know, you well, if you spend I, money, it's gone. You have to invest it and then, um, yeah, suspend yeah. the investment. And you have to have, say, I always say to everybody, I say to you know, children, if you don't have savings, good savings, that will last you maybe six months. What happens if you are ill, especially self-employed, if you're ill for two or three months or a series of things go, you know, your car blows up and the fridge blows up and the cooker stops working? You know, it's a good idea to earn and save as much as you can so that you can then choose to retire when you want to, not when you have to. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how long from when you first decided to become a magician to, uh, well, how long did it take for the business to start flowing in and actually, like you said, getting to a point where you could choose what gigs you were doing? I, I Probably a couple of years, I would say. I think it took. I what the first year was really bad, and I was I was panicking about what am I going to do, but I survived. The end of the second year, um, I think almost at the end of the second year, money you know gigs were coming in fast and furious. And I you know I'm not boasting, but I you know I am a good entertainer, a good magician. So if you're good at what you do, often you don't have to advertise because it's kind of cyclic, isn't it? Yeah. Word of mouth. And if you entertain 100 people at a party, you'd like to think there's going to be at least two or three people there that might book you for another party. And on it goes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's about two years before it started really working out. Two years. And so now you lecture and write books and teach other magicians how to do things. Is that right? I do, yeah. Remember, I've been doing that a long time. I've been doing that uh, for... Well, I've been writing books for 30 years. Um I've been doing lectures for 27 or 28 years and teaching magicians for about 30 years. So I started doing that aspect of my work before I became a professional magician as, a, an, as an entertainer. Um, and I've written 40 books on magic, which is... 40? 40. 40. Four zero. Four zero. Wow. And they're big books as well. I didn't know there was that much magic in the world. 40 books worth. There's... There's, I think somebody once said there's been more written about magic than there has about gardening and cookery put together. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got a library behind me. There's thousands of books dotted around this house. Um, and uh, I think I've got about two and a half thousand books on magic. And I've read them all. Wow. I love them. So what would you say to the budding uh, magician? So they're just starting out. Um, they're doing. They just love magic, you know. They, but they yeah. do it on the side. What advice would you give them? 
well, you know, I mean, not everybody has to be a professional magician. You can do it as a hobby. So um, my advice would be is to, uh, I think the best magic you can learn is from a book. If you're a young magician out there, I know it's tempting to go to YouTube and downloads and that kind of thing, but the best secrets are hidden within the books. So I would I highly recommend going that route. Uh, you know, don't push yourself too fast. Don't burn out. And one day you may decide it might you, you might want to make it a hobby, but it doesn't have a, a profession. It doesn't have to be. But uh, just work hard and treat it with respect. Fantastic. I mean, there are many more bits of advice, but we'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to somebody who is wanting to follow their passion and purpose, but may not necessarily be magic, um, and they don't really know where to start? Well, you, I mean, uh, I think if you want to become, um, oh, I don't know, a professional cook, presumably you have to, A, you have to know how to cook to start with, um, but the, the main thing I always think is you, if the passion isn't there, then you're not going to be able to force it. So it's got to be something you're passionate about, something that you really love, something you really want to do. Uh, so whatever it may be, you've got to have good business skills. You know this, Kitty, because um, as you know, we both live in, in Worthing in, in Sussex and uh, I see shops opening up every other week and I think they won't be there more than a month mm. because I can tell it's an ill-advised, ill-conceived concept in the wrong place. I remember once, this going off at a slight tangent, in Worthing, a thong shop opened <laughs> and all they sold were what? women's thongs. <laughs> and I thought... Oh, even flip-flops, like in Australia. <laughs> yeah, how many thongs do you have to sell to pay the rent on a property? And well, within a month, the place had closed down. So, I guess with restaurants, you know, restaurants they have to open up where there's a good catchment of people, but also the food has to be excellent. And often it isn't. You know, you go into a restaurant, either the food is bad or the staff are rude, and before you know it, the place is closed down. So, in anything that you want to do in life. I think you have to be good at the basics, whatever it may be. So if you're going to be a cook, you've got to be a good cook. If you haven't got business skills, you need to learn business skills, which is something I, I did and I, I learned mostly by osmosis through working in the theatre business. Um, and I, I think you just have to really do an awful lot of homework. A bit like that um, housing programme where they say, you know, location, location, location. I think it's the same. So whatever it, is, whatever it is you want to do in life, make sure you're passionate. Write down all the skills you need to have for it. Get those skills and then go to the next level. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So what you're saying is like find something you're interested in and passionate about, but at the same time, you've got to have a sensible business model or yeah. sensible idea about how you can actually make it work in the world. You can't just... What you say? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I... You know, I like go back to that thong shop. Who on earth thought they could make money out of selling thongs in a shop? And then the, the next the next error they made is that the person who was running the shop inside the shop was a man. And I don't think women want to buy their thongs from a bloke <laughs> behind the counter. I may be wrong, but 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kitty, where would you buy your thongs from? <laughs> I don't know if I want to share that, thanks. <laughs> Certainly not from that shop. <laughs> no. Well, thank you. It's not there anymore. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us this afternoon. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Well, it's very kind of you to ask me, Kitty. It's uh, very sweet of you, and uh, it's nice to see you again. Yes. Um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope some of this advice helps the people that are listening. Uh, I wrote a book about the, 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 the um, secrets of card magic, which is actually about the business side of magic and that side of things. It's it's out of print now, but I'm going to reprint it at some stage and it might help people. So keep an eye out for it if you're interested in my business. Um, but whatever yes. it is that you do, just knuckle down, work hard at it and don't give up. Absolutely. And for those of you who are interested in finding out more about Paul, we will have all his details in the show notes, his website and his 40 books that he has written. My goodness. A lot of books up. It is a lot of books, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And yes, and um, it was a great pleasure to talk to you. And uh, yeah, you should be very proud of your career because, um, yeah, turning your life into a professional um, magician is no mean thing. Well, you're very sweet. And can I can I close with a toast that I do at every every lecture? My toast is always the same. It's may you all live to be a thousand years old, and the last card trick that you see or read is one of mine. <laughs> very good <laughs> thank you bye. bye thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group exclusive webinars and secret success interviews see you there